Welcome back to License to Spiel. I'm Carl Wonders. And I'm Fat Hate. And today we're going to go back in time to 1983 and talk about that other James Bond film from that year, Never Say Never oh, Again. Oops, I watched Octopussy again. Oh, did you? I'm sorry. I would be very sorry if I had to. Uh, (laughs) This is Never Say Never Again. It is. It was an off year for Bond movies, I think, but... (laughs) All right. (laughs) Ah, now I need to decide which is a better... This is the important question. Which is the better 1983 Bond film? I enjoyed this one more than Octopussy. That doesn't make it a better movie. (laughs) Yeah, no, I would would agree with you on that on both points. That neither of which, neither of these movies are good movies. (laughs) But I did enjoy this more. I enjoyed this a lot more than I enjoyed Spectre, too, for that matter. Yes, I agree. But, oh boy, this movie is something else it's something yeah uh so this movie was directed by Irvin Kirshner who people probably best know as being the director of the empire strikes back yep that's where i know him from he also directed robocop 2 which is also not a great movie (laughs) i don't think i've seen robocop 2 i think i've only seen the first robocop it takes all of the bleakness of robocop 1 and removes everything that's fun about robocop 1 Oh, okay. So, yeah, it's a great, it's it's a, an interesting watch. <laughs> so this is the movie that came about because good old Kevin McClory, who we've talked about many times and made fun of many times, mm-hmm. uh, was given the rights to make his own James Bond movie because he had the rights to the sort of the story of Thunderball and the idea of Spectre and all that stuff. And, you know, 1983, as we've already alluded to, there were, two James Bond movies that came out. One was Octopussy, the quote-unquote official James Bond movie. And then this one that came out, they went and got Sean Connery to come back. Uh, The title actually comes from something his wife said at one point, where during an interview after Diamonds Are Forever, Sean Connery said, they said, would you ever come back and play James Bond? And he said, never again. And it was his wife's idea to call this movie Never Say Never Again. And I think she's credited in the credits somewhere as having come up with the title. So they basically went and remade Thunderball. Yep. I find it amusing um, because I watched this on iTunes. Um, Mm -hmm. Unlike the others, I didn't buy it. I just rented it. But uh, I find it amusing uh, because I had to look this up because it started and there was the MGM line. I'm like, wait, what? So I looked it up and yeah, MGM bought this movie in the 90s. (laughs) Yeah. Which makes me wonder, why is it not included in my Blu-ray James Bond box set? <laughs> For that matter, why is next week's movie not included in your box set? So, it's funny you say that. Uh-huh. Because there actually was a class action lawsuit about that. Yep, there was. <laughs> <laughs> because people bought the... Well, I guess at least one person bought the set assuming they would all be there, and they weren't. And so they sued them over saying that all the Bond movies were together. That's just somebody looking to sue somebody. Oh, yeah. It didn't go anywhere. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but I just find it hilarious. I mean, I know I would be crushed knowing that my box set didn't have this movie or Casino Royale from 1967. <laughs> okay. So it has been just as long since I have seen this movie as when I saw Casino Royale 67. Okay. I remember thinking this movie was fine, but didn't remember too many details of it. Um, actually, on a rewatch, I think I probably like it less than I thought I liked it before. But I know 
that I hate Casino Royale 1967. (laughs) (laughs) And I guarantee next week I am not going to change my opinion on that. So I am actually totally fine with it not being in the box set. If I could give you a piece of advice going into watching that movie, Uh don't expect a movie. Right, yeah, that's exactly (laughs) it. So here's the thing. I don't like most Woody Allen movies. Okay. (laughs) He's only in part of it. I guess. Yeah. But, yeah. That movie. Well, we'll get to that next week. We'll get to that next week, yeah. Yeah. Uh, So this movie. Uh, (laughs) This movie, yes. It starts with, oh boy, that 80s theme music. Oh my god. liked the like screen door 007 (laughs) yeah that was kind of cool i mean so i read somewhere i think probably on the wiki that they wanted to do a gun barrel and then were told they can't for legal reasons so that was (laughs) the best they could come up with yeah and they also were going to do a cold open and then decided not to so it makes me wonder what that cold open was because they said they said they filmed it before they decided to scrap it yeah i mean the the opening could have been a cold feels like this is a cold open yeah and i don't mind this stuff at the beginning so we see James Bond running around and doing Bond stuff. Uh, he's trying to rescue someone who's been kidnapped, I guess. And then we find out later that it's all like a war games thing. Yeah. How much are these guys getting paid to get garroted and headbutted and all this stuff? Because this doesn't look fake to me. Also, where is this villa that's like <laughs> has hay all over it? I mean, like, what's like, did they. Was this already an abandoned villa in the middle of the jungle that they just set up these war games? Or did they, like, build this whole thing for this for these war games? I mean, they, you know, the... I imagine they... I mean, this isn't England, clearly. I'm also wondering, what's the point of insulating the ceiling when you have open... When, when you have screen <laughs> windows? Like, why would you... I mean, how is that doing anything at all? <laughs> well... You know, it is the 80s with drop ceilings and insulation and yeah, but I don't know. It does look, it does look very weird. Like people do insulate their roofs, but not usually in the tropics. No. (laughs) (laughs) Well, actually, well, they do now with, yeah, yeah, with, with air conditioning, but clearly not now. But this house is clearly not designed for that. No. Um, I'm just gonna, we've been making this comment over and over again. And I'm just going to make it now to get it out of the way. I 
do think Sean Connery still looks better than he does in Diamonds Are Forever. Oh, absolutely. And I hadn't seen this in a while when I was agreeing with, or even saying it before. Yeah. Uh, What I would say, I think he sounds more different than he looks in this movie. Yes. Well, he's definitely doing the... He's got the the full-on Sean Connery voice now. Yes, yes. Well, I mean, this is the voice that I, like, you know, associate with Sean Connery. I mean, this is, you know, this is how he talks in Hunt for Red October and Indiana Jones. Yep. All those other wonderful movies from this same relative era. Yep. Yeah, this is, I mean, this is 83, and those were, like, the late 80s. Um, yeah, I think Indiana Jones was 88, I think. Oh, Sean Connery, 88. Yeah, right. Yeah, third movie. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Um, we're introduced to the new M here, who's played by Robert Fox. Apparently, because I always have Star Trek on the brain, I was confusing Robert Foxworth, who plays Admiral Layton in Star Trek, but is not in this movie, with Edward Fox, the actual actor playing M. Sorry about that. Mm-hmm. Who. Yeah. Yeah, um, I mentioned a while ago, The Man with the Golden Gun, possibly, uh, movie The Day of the Jackal, about an assassin who was hired to assassinate Charles de Gaulle, a movie from the 70s, and Edward Fox plays the assassin in that movie. Oh, okay. So, he's not like this in that movie. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, clearly they're going for... There's like a weird combination to me of uh, Goldeneye, Judy Dench, and C in his portrayal here, where he's very by the numbers, very uh-huh. Bean County, but also really over double the double O section in general, and thinks that they're outdated and everything. He's obsessed with free radicals, uh, <laughs> which does, and I, I didn't put this in my notes. It leads to a funny line I think with Money Penny later, where you know he, Bond is being chastised for not doing well in this simulation and M is sending him off to shrublands to get cleaned up and everything mm-hmm. and, you know he says too many free radicals that's your problem free radicals sir yeah they're toxins that destroy the body and the brain caused by eating too much red meat and white bread and too many dry martinis then I shall cut out the white bread sir yes that's a good line <laughs> uh and M's talking about free radicals and getting rid of them because they poison your body and whatever. And he goes out I to money. I didn't realize they knew about free radicals in the early 80s. Yeah, I, yeah, that's true. I think this is a, a new concept, I guess. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, but I like when, when money, he goes out to Money Petty and she's like... Have you got an assignment, James? Yes. Yes, Money Penny. I'm to eliminate all free radicals. Oh... Do be careful. Yeah, because he's yeah, it's making it sound like it's you know terrorists or something. Right, exactly. Um, unfortunately, then we have to go off to Shrublands again, like we did in Thunderball. Yeah, um, we do get Bond driving his Bentley, which is yeah, nice touch to nod to the movies. Yes, or the, I mean the books, to, not to the, the books, books. Yeah. <laughs> well, I guess the the first couple, he, he you you see the Bentley in um from Russia with Love. Yep, he has the car phone. Mm-hmm. And there's the nice little symmetry there where. The the attendant says that they don't make them like that anymore, and Bond responds that that he's right, but it's still in but it's still in pretty good shape. And then mm-hmm. the next scene, talking about all his scar tissue, and he says, "Right, but my body's still in pretty good shape." It's a nice little yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I like I like the the continuity there with those two scenes. Mm-hmm. This movie does do a 
slightly better job with Shrublands. It's not like in Thunderball where Bond's just kind of there. Yeah, but he doesn't steal a grape in this movie. <laughs> he doesn't steal a grape. He doesn't lock anyone in the uh, the Turkish <laughs> bath, you know, with, with the broom handle. Also, okay, when Bond, because you know, you knew I was gonna say it. Uh, uh, when Bond is getting his initial physical, all right. <laughs> Look at the hair on those arms. Look at the hair on that chest. I still pause it that this man shaves his back. It, it's entirely possible. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> I thought you were going to quote the line with the nurse when the nurse holds up the beaker and says, I need a urine sample. And that Bond is says, also, From here. Yeah, that legitimately made me laugh. <laughs> and his delivery on that reminded me of in Thunderball when he has the little radioactive pill and Q says to swallow it and he's like, now i i also i I, really, I like how they cut to the nurse and she just smiles at that too mm-hmm. yep you feel the speaker for me from here <laughs> <laughs> and then we cut to somebody who we find out is fatima blush uh and i'm gonna in. say right now fiona Bl- volpe is much better than fatima blush yes i agree i i'm not sad about having to watch barbara carrera in this movie but sure and, and this is the first scene where I really noticed this. Uh, because of it not being an official Bond film and all that stuff, they couldn't get John Barry to do this movie, and they got Michelle Legrand to direct the score. I think it's terrible. Uh, I don't remember it at all, which is yeah, it's, an evidence that it's not yeah. good. He's done decent movies before. Uh, he did Ice Station Zebra, which is kind of a Cold War thriller type movie. Never seen it. Okay. Hey, we're didn't back to so. this again. Yep, I didn't think so. Uh, <laughs> God, this the the mu- music is awful in this movie. Um, we're back right. to the early '80s in movies I've never seen. Yeah, <laughs> uh, we get to see Blofeld, who's played by Max Max von Sydow in this movie. He's fine. He's he's there. He has the cat. So he's, pl- the cat, he's playing Max von Sydow. Basically, the cat in this. was not in the book though. Like, that was a thing made for the movies. Like, I'm surprised Eon didn't sue them over the cat. Well, I think the problem was that Kevin McClory helped write this original story to Thunderball, which introduces... Well, I guess it doesn't introduce the cat, because the cat was in... Right, that's my saying. Much with love, yeah. Yeah, McClory doesn't introduce the cat. He, He... McClory wrote the original idea that ended up being scrapped for the first Bond movie. Right. And then Fleming turned that into a book and didn't credit McClory, which is where this all started. Yes. But the problem here is, I guess it's not really a problem, but uh, especially now. I mean, it's not like, you know, Kevin McClory doesn't care anymore. Ian Fleming doesn't care anymore. Uh, But um, the cat was not from that original story so well blowfield looks completely different in every one of the books that he shows up in too yes which is not unlike uh the the movies either right but my what i'm what i'm saying is i'm surprised that they were able to use the cat and not get sued for that especially since uh eon did everything they could to prevent this movie from happening they did yeah well, and, and funnily enough, originally, it was going to be released on the same day as Octopussy. Oh, that would have been horrible. That would have been <laughs> terrible for both of them. Yeah. Unless, like, people were doing a double feature or something. Oh, right. geez. Could you imagine doing a double feature of this Oof. Octopussy? <laughs> no. Oh, look, it's two people being too old to play James Bond. Yeah, it'd be like if... Yeah, it, it would be... I mean, doing this... And, oh, yeah. I'm... 
Man, Octopussy was really bad. Um, anyway. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> My biggest thing with this movie is I don't get the tone of it. No. It's um, all over the place. It, it's serious and comedic at the, and like keeps going back and forth between yeah. the two. There are multiple times in this movie where I feel like it's being a it's a parody of James Bond films. Absolutely. Oh yeah. And other other times it's playing it completely straight. Yeah. You have the cut there in the in the in Troublins where he meets Pat Fearing and then they're like rocking back and forth and you're like, well, what's going on here? And then she's just like stretching his back. Yeah. I mean, I could have seen that from the Mankiewicz era, too. Oh, 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 yeah, of course. But still, she also has a definite 80s mullet in this movie. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but at least he doesn't extort her for sex like he did in Thunderball. Yeah, there is that. I mean, I would say Thunderball is pr- almost certainly a better movie than this. Mm-hmm. But I think I enjoyed watching this more than I enjoyed Thunderball. I've I enjoyed parts of this movie more than the same parts in Thunderball. Right. Yeah. Uh, I think they're both problematic movies. Yes. Oh, absolutely. And I think from a like perf- from from just a cinemat cinematic standpoint, I think Thunderball is a better movie. Yeah, and you also have to consider that this is made twenty years later. Mm-hmm. I wonder, like, if Thunderball had been made in nineteen eighty three, I-, I don't think they would have tried to get away with some of the stuff they did in that movie. Yeah, probably not. For the better. Uh, I like little gags, though. Like, Pat comes in with his food, and he has, like, his secret lentil stash delight. in his suitcase. Yeah, lentil delight. Yeah. I don't mind lentils, he, but anyway. Dandelion like salad, though. how, like, he even has, like, the fine china strapped yeah. in in the suitcase. <laughs> yes. <It's> yes. <laughs> That's also a very big fireplace. Yeah, I was thinking that. <laughs> I'm like... There's going to be a lot of free radicals coming off that fireplace. There is, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Although I suppose it's burning oxygen, which is in and of itself a free radical. I, well, yeah. Um, Jack Batachi also has the same giant fireplace. He does. So uh, the actor who plays Jack Batachi, like, for some reason, reminds me of the principal from Ferris Bueller. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's not. It's a completely no. different person. But <laughs> he kind of reminds me of them. I think it's like just the sweatiness and the and the sandy brown and mustache. The, sand, the hair yeah, the Yeah. Yeah. Well to bring it back to Star Trek, apparently according to uh Wikipedia, the guy who played him played the the first mate Kazon in the episode Caretaker of Voyager. Okay, which guy? <laughs> Jack Patachi. Okay. Okay. I wasn't sure if you were talking about the principal from Ferris Bueller or not. Oh, that's where I know him from. He played that stupid guy in Superman 3 that gets drunk. All I remember from Superman 3 is that computer algorithm that steals all the partial sense. Yep. (laughs) That was Superman 3, right? Yep. That's all I remember from that movie. Yeah, Richard Pryor steals, like, the yeah. spare sense from all, everyone's paycheck. Yeah, and gets fired for it when he totally shouldn't. I mean, it's not like... Well, he doesn't get anymore. fired for it, but... He sh- yeah. He, he's about to, but... Yes. Yeah. That's a movie we won't be talking about probably on this podcast. Oh, boy. Uh, you don't want to watch the Superman movies with me unless you want to hear me say how I hate almost all of them. All right, we're not watching them. <laughs> I mean, the first one's decent. Yes, it is. If you've but, seen the Richard Donner cut, it's much better. That's it is. Too. 
The Richard Donner cut of Superman 2 is better, yes. But, like, on, those are the only two decent Superman movies, in my opinion. Uh, I like Superman Returns. <laughs> Superman Returns on a rewatch is better. It uh, Man of Steel makes Superman Returns look good, but... Man of Steel the- makes this movie look good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but Batman vs. Superman makes Man of Steel look good. Um, yeah, maybe. <laughs> anyway, yeah. No, we, we don't need to do a Superman podcast. <laughs> no. So, I have questions about Jack Patachi. Yeah. Um, so, we find out that he's had eye surgery. And- All right. <laughs> okay. Let, I'll let you do it, because I know this is in your notes. Alright, so... <laughs> I'm not sure that's possible to have eye surgery to have someone else's retinal pattern put onto your eye. I don't think you can do that. But beyond that, why the hell does an Air Force base in England have a system that can only be activated by a retinal scan from the U.S. president? <laughs> Why would it be in the base? Right. Why is yeah. that automated system, that automated system that doesn't require notification of any people, for, why is that there? Yeah. It, it, they couldn't have possibly imagined it would be, ever be used since it can only be activated by a presidential retinal scan. Because it's <laughs> not like if the president is like, okay, we need to fire these nukes. I'm not going to hop on a plane and fly to England to initiate that. <laughs> What the hell is this? I don't know. I, I wish I could tell you. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> so that's Jack Patachi, who... Although I have something that I want to complain about even more in a little bit. Okay. Um, I do appreciate the idea that he's been roped in because they've addicted him to heroin. I think that's fairly realistic. And yes. why they do background checks and clearances and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. So that makes sense to me. At one point, Bond goes and searches his hotel room and finds a matchbook that we find out later, the arch villain of the movie, that's his logo. Yep. Why? (laughs) (laughs) Why would you give the... No! Yeah. You deserve to lose when you do stuff like that. Yeah, that's dumb. Um, And then we have... A character who is not named in the film, but is named Lippe in the credits, because we're paralleling Count Lippe from Thunderball. Mm-hmm. Uh, this time played by Pat Roach, who is best known for being the big guy in every Indiana Jones movie. Yes. Comes in, and we have a very long and dumb fight scene. Yeah. So, yeah, he throws Bond through a window, and yep. he doesn't get... Any his hair doesn't even get messed up. Much less he do, he certainly doesn't get any cuts on his face or anything. Nope. Uh, and then the fight continues. They break so much glass in this fight throughout mm-hmm. the entire fight. Yep. Finally, Bond throws his own urine in the guy's eyes. Because <laughs> you may- store urine in an open beaker. Yeah. Like, wouldn't it like oxidize and like? I mean, I've been near toilets that haven't been flushed it, it, <laughs> it gets gross after it yeah. sits out like you wouldn't want to do that no. but anyway <laughs> bond throws his urine in, into the guy's face and he backs up into some shells apparently with enough force to kill himself on broken glass what 
How did this happen? It makes no sense. Yeah. I mean, first you have the... He, he acts like he threw acid into his face. Right, and it's just urine. I'm sure it's gross. I'm sure it smells, oh, yeah. but it wouldn't... Yeah. yeah, it shouldn't have that sort of reaction. Especially for a guy who you've seen things like he chucks a dumbbell at him and it bounces off of him and doesn't bother him. Yep. I also like when Bond is like hiding behind that one random woman's bed, and yep. then after he grabs the blanket and throws it and they leave the woman just sort of curls up and goes back to sleep <laughs> yeah she's just like yeah but i there's two stupid moments that i find amusing in this movie or in this scene the one when he opens the door and like hits him in the nose yeah and then right after that when they're fighting in this hallway and there's a whole bunch of patients watching some kind of sporting event and they look at lippy and he like does this little like jig like he's happy about what happened in the thing like yeah that actually good. made me laugh uh the rest right. of this i could so this get gets even weirder if you like look at the things protruding from lippy's back yep. the jagged edges are the part that's sticking out yeah how did I, these how, i i want to know how the, the giant graduated cylinder ended up in his right. back yeah, because it's not the because the jagged edges are the parts that's sticking out. So it's yeah, like how did any of this happen? And again, he just sort of stumbles back into that shelf, and they apparently yeah, there's just yeah. ah, it's so bad. Anyway, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we should point out this is like a ten minute thing. Yeah, the reason I'm complaining so much about it is because it goes on forever. Yeah. And then, and no one gets hurt at all until someone dies from something that shouldn't have hurt them. Nope. As He dies because of a gag with the urine, yeah. which isn't even funny. Yep. So, yeah. Anyway, moving on. Bond gets chewed up by M because that's what M does. Mm-hmm. This is the least effectual M chewing out. Yeah. Uh, well, it's the least effectual M. Yeah. So, uh, we find out that they're doing this training mission, and they're going to load dummy warheads, and this is when... This is when this whole thing that shouldn't yeah. even exist is a thing. Like, he gets this, like, Samsonite suitcase that has, like, that thing that you look into when you go to the eye doctor. Mm-hmm. And uh, this doesn't make any sense. No. But the long and the short of it is they end up switching out the warheads to be real atomic weapons. Yeah, I feel like there wouldn't be an automated computer system that would just do that. And it would certainly wouldn't say dummy warheads swapped or whatever it said. Right. Dummy warheads will be replaced. Yeah, like there wouldn't be a computer saying that. And yeah, there's just so much wrong with this. <laughs> I laughed when the computer was like so and so, you know, dummy warhead switch. Have a nice day. Yes. <laughs> All right. Uh, we get some bad 80s special effects here with these cruise missile things. Oh, they're so bad. Yeah. Yeah. And then we have the strangest assassination ever. What, where they throw a snake into the guy's car? Yeah. <laughs> and then they blow it up. Yes. Well, after retrieving the snake. Of course, because she likes the snake. Yeah. There are many other ways you could assassinate some. Well... I mean, I guess it does cause him just to, just to have an accident, whereas, you know... Right, but I feel like she could have or... done that without throwing a snake in his car. Maybe. Because the snake could have been hurt. Yeah, it could have. Um, so they steal the warheads. Yep. They. This is very much like Thunderball. 
Yeah, and there's a there of course there's a bag on the ship with Largo's symbol on it. Yeah. Well, Largo's symbol is on the helipad. Well, on his ship, but on the other ship that's stealing the warheads, there's a bag. True. Yeah. Uh, we get a. Um, I a like record- those vector graphics. Oh, the the battle zone. Yeah. Yeah. Oof. <laughs> I mean, I've said this before, like, I think 80s movie, early 80s movies date more badly than other movies because they do these computer things that just... Yeah. Yeah. We get the obligatory, you know, ransom message from Spectre. Uh, I like the fact that the cat looks up in surprise right before the atomic bomb goes off in the gra- in the, the video. <laughs> yes, I like that too. That's cute. Um, we hear from the home secretary here. Uh, who's played by Anthony Sharp, who is better than Julian Fellows, I think. Um, yes. Well, that's not saying much. So, who are the guys in uniforms that look like Nazi uniforms? I don't know. There's two guys in gray uniforms that look very Nazi-like in this scene. Yeah. And I, I'm assuming that's what a country's military, a member of NATO's military uniforms look like but like i look at those and they just scream nazi to me it's it's a choice i don't (laughs) i mean none of them have speaking parts so i don't know yeah but do you do you do you picture oh no i absolutely see who who you're talking about yeah yeah like i don't know it's like the symbol the like the the like the bar things on their lapels i think is what like really make it look nazi but anyway they're probably not nazis Bond is doing research now, which consists, I guess, of just a bunch of photos of Largo. And that one thing that says what his net worth is. Yes. And that's constantly changing. Yeah. Oh, yeah, those 80s computers. Yep. With the giant 8-bit letters. (laughs) M's dining room in this movie is much smaller than it was in Goldfinger. It's true. It's almost... Yeah, well, that's just because this is the worst M. Yeah. Uh, We find out that Largo has his little, like, man cave office place that is also his voyeur room so he can watch Domino. Yeah. Also, Flying Saucer saucer doesn't sound nearly as cool as Disco Volante. No, even, it's the same, I mean, that's what Disco Volante means, but... Yeah. Why? But it sounds way cooler. It sounds much better. Yeah, that always bothers me. Yeah, I've I've never liked Flying Saucer as a name for a ship. Yeah, the Voyeur Room is weird. Like, the Voyeur Room is very weird. And but, yeah, Domino wears a lot of leotards in this movie because it's the eighties. It is the eighties. This is the less bad leotard. Yeah. Um, we'll get to that. <laughs> uh, I I like the fact that he has a yoga dance instructor for her on this ship yep and we have Chekhov's pendant Chekhov's pendant I have things to say about Chekhov's pendant later (laughs) I look forward to it um now's probably as good a time as any to point out that I actually and we talked about this before we started recording I like Klaus Maria Brandauer as Largo Mm -hmm. um he's not terribly imposing no. A screen presence, but I like his portrayal here is in, in the movie. I think he does he does interesting things with the part that could have been much less exciting. Yeah, no, I 
I like him much better than what's his name from Thunderball, who you told yeah. me his name and I've already forgotten it. Uh, it's um, Adolfo Celli. Yeah, and he's he is dubbed in that movie by a man named Robert Wrighty, who is sort of the male version of Nicky Vanderzil. <laughs> uh, if you watch enough British shows, you will hear his voice over and over again. Yeah, they did love to dub the actors they in those did. early Bond movies. <laughs> yep. Um, but back in MI6, here's where we meet Algernon. Yes. Who is the Q of the movie with, I guess, Chekhov's pen thing that he shoots. Not which, quite ready. Yeah. Not quite ready. Which or yeah, not quite that's, tested that's, or something. That's, like. that's a good test. That's a good callback. Mm-hmm. Uh, constantly complaining about budget cuts and whatnot. Yeah, and I and I like the line where he, I like he's like, can't make a decision unless the computer gives you a go ahead. I hope we're going to have now that you're here. I hope we're going to have some gratuitous sex and violence. Yes, and Bond says I certainly hope <laughs> certainly so too. Hope so. Yeah. And oh boy, do we? Yes, we do. Like, I don't think this movie is any more violent than some of the other Bond films, uh, but it definitely has more sex in it than it does the official bond films and some pretty gratuitous moments coming up too oh yeah i mean you don't see anything but you don't need to no i want to know what the heck pulls both of them like there's the one scene where they both get suddenly jerked out of the door frame and it's like what did someone just come along and grab their feet Oh, <laughs> yeah. So another thing, and I don't know, maybe this is a Irving Kirshner thing, I, I or uh, who knows, but there are a lot of ass shots. <laughs> Can we say yes. ass shots in this podcast? Sure. We just did. <laughs> or you just did. <laughs> the reason I'm thinking of it is because I'm scrolling through the movie and immediately after <laughs> the Algernon scene is an ass shot. Yep. And there are a lot of them in this movie. And, like, it really stood out to me because I don't think that was ever really much of a thing in the other... The only thing I can think... It, diamonds are forever. We got some. Yeah. Uh, but other than that... We got a fair bit of things in Diamonds Are Forever. Uh, yes, we did. Do you know what we didn't get in Diamonds Are Forever, though? What? Mr. Bean playing Nigel Small Fawcett. Oh, jeez. <laughs> So I really like Rowan Atkinson, yep. um, but I prefer him more when he's when his character is less Bean, because mm-hmm. he always plays more. He always plays a humorous characters, but I prefer him when he's not playing an idiot. Yeah, the bit part he has in Love Actually always comes to mind is the stuff I like that he does. Yeah, or like all of Blackadder, if you or all of Black, oh, of Black course, Adder. yeah, all of Blackadder, yeah. Uh, he was also in a British um, police comedy called The Thin Blue Line, which is pretty good, too. But yeah, he's he's doing a take on Bean here. I mean, he was better as Johnny English. Yes. Well, see, because that's the thing. In Johnny English, he horrible things happen to him in Johnny English, but he does not play a buffoon. Right. He plays someone who ridiculous stupid funny things keep happening but he mm-hmm. doesn't and i think we we should cover those on the podcast so we'll get to that in yeah. a few episodes maybe we can do that yeah but anyway uh yeah i i i cannot stand uh nigel small Fawcett's character here though because he's just terrible he yeah fortunately he's not in it much no but again that is where you're like is this a parody or is it right not? 
And you just never really know. No. Because there's so many scenes that are perfectly played perfectly straight, but then you get a, you get scenes like this where it's like, is this a spoof? Mm-hmm. It's not like the next mo- next week where we'll definitely be watching a spoof. Like you get these weird moments of the woman whose name I've already forgotten water skiing up into the restaurant and into Bond's arms while he's drinking his martini. Like, what's that about? It's Fatima Blush who water skis up to him. Oh shoot, you're right. But that whole scene. Yeah, he, she. That's that's her getting hooked up with him so they can go have boat sex. Yeah, and you get another ass shot. Y- yes, you do. Just. All the ass shots. So many. <laughs> so many ass shots. We should name that as the podcast episode. So many ass shots. <laughs> <laughs> I might do that. <laughs> yeah. So there's just... So do you assume Bond... Do you think Bond knows that she's part of Spectre at this point? I, I don't know because unlike Fiona Volpe, she's not wearing the, the Spectre, Spectre ring. ring? <laughs> But wasn't it not a Spectre ring? Wasn't it actually just a Largo's crest ring? And they just retroactively turned it into a Spectre ring? Yeah, they then they changed that. Now, you were you were just commenting on like them sliding out of frame. Yeah. I, I do like the cut to them going into the water. Yes. Well, that's right after they slid out of frame. Yeah, right. They slide out of frame and then they splash down into the water. They slide out of frame with the rope that they're on. Yeah. Almost like the boat just like capsized. the boat capsized. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Exactly. (laughs) What just happened there? Yep. Here's where she sneakily sticks a little radio thing on his tank, which I have questions about how this works. And I think you do too. Ah, what the hell is up with the... (laughs) Yeah. Um, all right. I could believe that she put some sort of shark attracting thing on him. What is the thing on the shark's fin doing? I don't know. There, no, the shark is not listening to a radio telling it where to go. That's not how sharks work. That's not how. No. Like, <laughs> what is going on with this? It makes no sense whatsoever. And no. even if the shark was listening to a radio, wouldn't you think it would be on its head, not its fin? You would think. Like, how does this work? <laughs> Like, it should none, just be, like, some, something sense. that drifts off, like, a scent that's, you know, irresistible to sharks or something. I could believe that. Yeah. Like, but she no. could have just put, like, a, a thing on it that, like, says says Acme Shark Attractor or something. And then <laughs> that would have worked. But this weird... That would have fit in the tone of this movie. Yes, it would have. That weird radio on the shark's fin that's, like, plugged into the shark. Yep. Yeah. Just no. <laughs> Oh, but this this is where he runs into the other woman. and Yes, and I, I do like that. You did say you'd catch me later. Yep. And then Bond puts her overalls on. <laughs> you know, right? That is quite a look. <laughs> that is a look. Yes. It's a very uh, Great Acres. Yes. I, I enjoy... I like how... I keep wanting to call Fatima Blush Fiona Volpe. Um, yep. I, I like how we see Fatima just sort of dancing to the performers in the street until she sees Bond. She's like, oh, he's still alive. Mm-hmm. And I like this. We see her go up and plant a bomb under his bed. But she gets changed first. She does. Because she, she changes every scene, pretty much. She does. 
You'd think that she would, since she was just on the other side there listening to them getting their keys, you'd think she would then want to check to make sure which room he went to, since they talked about both rooms. Maybe. Also, how the heck did Nigel Smallfawcett find him in the other room? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, how would he know to call there? That's a great question. I, 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 I like when, you know, he's making bullet loop with this woman when Nigel Smallfoss calls, and he's like, "Please be brief. I don't have much time." Yeah. <laughs> like, you know, we, I can't remember if we mentioned this on air or before when we were talking about how Sean Connery originally wanted Tom Mankiewicz to do the rewrite on this script. That to me feels like a Tom Mankiewicz line. Yes. He, I think we were we were talking about that before we started okay, recording. Okay, we might have been, yeah. So we should actually mention that briefly. Yeah, so some guy by the name of Lorenzo Semple Jr. Uh, is credited as writing the script to this movie. And from what I've understood, Sean Connery was not happy with it. And he asked Tom Mankiewicz to come in and do a rewrite because of his work on Diamonds Are Forever. <laughs> Sure. Like, yeah. how is that your, you know, yeah, this guy did such a great job rewriting yeah. Diamonds Are Forever. Let's bring him in for this. How is that the pedigree that you're going to go with there? I, yeah. <laughs> so, Lorenzo Semple is most known for being the executive story editor, editor for the Batman TV show, the Adam West Batman. Uh-huh. So you can kind of tell where some of the tone from this movie comes from, I think. <laughs> a little bit, uh, yeah. <laughs> Pretty soon after the <clears throat> the bomb switcheroo, where we meet Felix Leiter for the first time, who is played by Bernie Casey. So so this is the first time we get an African-American Felix Leiter. Actually, now that I, I want to uh, circle back to Mankiewicz for a second. Yeah, yeah, sure. Uh, so Mankiewicz said no because he had some sort of... He, he felt that it it would be, you know, unethical because he worked with Eon. But Mankiewicz wasn't working on the Eon Bond films at that point either. No. Actually, wait, no, hold on. I forgot that this movie was in production hell for like 20 years. It w- it was, yeah. <laughs> Never mind. You're Yeah. It would yeah. have been in the 70s when he originally wanted Mankiewicz to do it, which would have been when he was working on the on the on the Eon films. So, never mind. We'll go back to Bernie Casey. Okay. Yeah. I like Bernie Casey in this movie. Yeah. And um, he does carry up the or carry on the tradition of Felix Slater's a dick and throws something at Bond. Yeah, to just mess with him, I guess. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, at least he didn't hire like two people to drag him off to some remote location and pretend like we're abducting Bond again. No, I like I like Bernie Casey in this movie. And yeah, well, I like Bernie Casey in most things. He just died a couple years ago, I think. He did. Yeah, Bond looks at. The flying saucer through the, a telescope. The, wor- the world's things. largest telescope? Yeah, like, <laughs> that's an interesting design. I also made a note that when Felix Leiter looks through it, um, Desmond Llewellyn clearly taught him how to look through a viewfinder. Because he's nowhere near the... <laughs> yeah, he's not as far off as that as that extra in Quantum of Solace that was... <laughs> With his broom? Yeah. <laughs> Also, Bond doesn't put it up to his eye either. True. Although the shot you get of the flying saucer before that looks like it would look if you kept your eye that far away from the telescope. That's a good point. So, yeah, because yeah. you see the... Yeah. 
Yeah. Well, maybe considering how much Felix Leiter likes to play jokes, Bond may not be putting his eye on there because he's he afraid to do the old <laughs> ink on the telescope gag. Yeah. <laughs> oh, dear. It's the only explanation I've got. Yep. So, Bond pretends to be a masseuse. Yep. Masseur, I should say. Yeah. And just is questioning Domino here. So since you mentioned the ass shot, I have to talk about yep. briefly that, yeah. <laughs> There's a lot of gratuitous cuts in this movie. A little bit. Yeah. We don't actually see her ass in this mo- in this shot. No, although we he definitely massages it. Yes. <clears throat> yeah, there's just, yeah. Do you want it hard or soft? <laughs> so, alright. Bond finds out about the charity ball. So he's going to that. And the scene where he, like, incapacitates the bouncer. Uh-huh. Like, how, just by punching him, he's able to then, like, walk him away to a closet? I guess. I mean, I do like the gag with the cigarette light, or the cigarette case. Yes, I like that part, too. But I feel like the bouncer should have been, like, shouldn't have let him walk him into the closet in the first place. True. I also like when he dumps the gun in the champagne bucket. Yeah, that's good. All right, so... We get the game. That's a thing. <sighs> yeah. All right, I wasn't in casinos in the early 80s because I wasn't alive in the early 80s. Mm-hmm. And you probably weren't in casinos in the early 80s either. No, I was like five when this movie came out. Or but, four. like, do you really think they had, like, the arcade room? They might. I mean, maybe? It just seems... It looks really weird in this fancy casino to see, like, you know, Galaga and stuff like that. Yeah. I feel like they did that as... it. So, if that wasn't a thing, I feel like it's there as an excuse to have the stupid domination game. It's a stupid game, all right. The game is called Domination. I designed it myself. But my problem is I've never yet found a worthy adversary. No doubt I shall disappoint you too. Hmm. We'll see. This game has one objective. Power. We will be fighting for countries chosen at random by the machine. But for this demonstration, I will choose France. Target areas will light up on the map. Whoever hits them first with his laser beam will score a point. But there's another way to win. With your left hand, you control two nuclear missiles. With your right hand, you control a shield to block my missiles. But if you fail, boom, I win the game. You will be red. I will be blue. Are you ready? Yes. I don't understand how it works. It's kind. It looks kind of like Tempest. A little bit. But yeah, I don't really understand how it works either. I kind of like the idea of it giving you electric shocks as you're losing. I like how multiple times Bond takes his hands off the sticks, but Largo has said already that if he takes off the stick, he loses the game. Yeah. And yet... Each time they keep playing after he takes his hands off the sticks. Well, he he forfeits whatever money has been, you know, wagered in that round. I guess. And the fact that it's, like, built into some, like, fancy, you know, like, French royalty 
table or something. I, I feel like this feels very steampunk. Yeah. This game. Uh it, it's definitely a thing and would not have happened if this movie hadn't been made in the early 80s. No. <laughs> this yeah, this could only exist in 1983, 4 or 5, something like that. Yeah, actually that makes sense cuz uh uh think about Star Trek 3, they had video games playing in that bar uh video games with this kind of these kind of graphics oh, yeah, playing in the bar. Oh yeah, little game. Yeah. Yeah. And that was 1984. That's true. Yeah, those vector graphics. Mhm. So Bond gets a gets a dance with Domino instead of the money. Right. And he reveals to Domino that Largo had his had her brother killed. Right. So Two things about this dance that always stick out to me. Um, one, you know, I've been harping on Michelle Legrand and his music. They did this dance before they had any music to dance to. I also get a very big True Lies vibe from this tango. Oh, yeah. And <laughs> I, I was getting that same thing. And then we had the later scene with the horse in the fort. And I'm like, ah, it's yep. True Lies again. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Can we call that a Bond parody enough to watch that for the podcast? I would I would be on board for that. Okay. <laughs> All right. So Anyway, yeah. So, the tango. The tango. Yep. And... Fatima Blush is very excited because she gets to kill Bond, I guess. So she's going to dance her way down the stairs. Uh, she just loves her job. She's she's almost like a precursor to Xenia on a top in a lot of ways. I was thinking that, yeah. Bond smokes cigars here. I think it's the or only cigar, time maybe. Connery smoke a cigar, yeah. And yeah, the payoff of that guy having to hold the cigarette case for the whole time. I, I like that. Yeah, that was good. Yep. But Bond goes back to his hotel room and finds the girl he was working with dead. Yeah, drowned in a waterbed is also peak 80s. Yes. <laughs> that is definitely a, yeah. We get a bike chase scene that I actually think is pretty well done as far as the stunts go. Yeah. Like, whoever this biker guy is, is pretty good. You mean it wasn't Sean Connery? I'm gonna guess not. Yeah, I like how he, you know, skids under the truck. That's a classic yeah, yeah. action bike scene. I, I enjoy the how they they herd him into the into the back of that truck and he waits till the ramp is yeah. partway up and then gets they, out. They they close the truck as slow as possible. 
Yep. So, <laughs> yeah, I like that. It's a yeah. This is a decent action scene. Yeah. And we end in like a cat in like some sort of like catacomb area. Because of course you do. Sure. And Fatima Blush is wearing some interesting clothing. It's sort of. It, Reminds me a little bit of the outfit that Joanna Cassidy wears in Blade Runner <laughs> when she's running and wearing, like, plastic. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, yeah, I can see that. Yeah. yeah. I have seen Blade Runner. Because I could be wrong, but I think she's wearing a transparent top in this in this scene. It looks pretty transparent. It's not the most transparent top we see in this movie, but it's pretty transparent. Uh, no, it isn't. That, that comes later. <laughs> So, yeah, so here, before she kills him, she makes him write down that she was the best sex he ever had. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> which leads me, which leads to two, I think, really funny lines. Yes. When she's like, was I the best you ever had? And You know that making love to Fatima was the greatest pleasure of your life? Well, to be perfectly honest, there was this girl in Philadelphia. Shut up! This actually does ring true to me when... Now write this. The greatest rapture in my life was afforded me the Boti Nassau by Fatima Blush. Sign, James Bond, 007. I just remembered. It's against service policy for agents to give out endorsements. Right! Which probably... <laughs> Yeah, it was a really good line, and yeah. if we're being serious, if he, as long as he omits the 007 part, it would probably be okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because he's not, he's signing himself at, like, in his official I mean, capacity as 007, then. You work for the government, but I bet you'd still be willing, you'd still be legally allowed to, you know, write your memoirs and say who the best sex you ever had was. Yeah. I mean, it would be a weird thing to put in your memoirs, but you could do it. It would be. If that's the kind of thing you're you're putting in your memoirs, I don't want to read them. Just so no, no, I agree. Uh, <laughs> anyway. But this turns out to be her downfall. Yes, because she, the, he, the pen is mightier than the sword. Yeah. Get me the pen. What? Don't you see? The pen is mightier than the sword. Sorry, wrong Sean Connery movie. Right. right. Yeah, he shoots her with that pen that Algernon had. And... I like the shot of the smoking high heels. Oh, after she explodes? Yes. Yeah. Which yeah. is, again, where we're like, is this a parody? <laughs> well, because he shoots her, and she's, like, bleeding a little bit, and then she starts laughing, and she goes to shoot him, and then she blows up. Yes. <laughs> like, what the hell? Not perfected yet. And then the the local authorities are cutting through the door to get to him, and Felix Leiter shows up, and they what? escape in their underwear. Yeah. Yeah, that was, that was a thing that happened. <laughs> So they can pretend they're like train <laughs> athletic training or something. I don't know. <laughs> it's bizarre, is what it is. <laughs> I like Bernie Casey doing his like Apollo Creed thing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what is this movie doing? I have no idea. And then Bond and Felix Leiter go scuba diving out towards the flying saucer bond gets like sucked into this hole and he climbs up out of this thing and there's a guy waiting for him the guy's like 
Monsieur Largo has been waiting for you. Yeah, I like that. And I like how he was hiding so that Bond couldn't see him as he looked yeah. all around. <laughs> yep. There's some bad continuity here where Bernie Casey doesn't have a, like a swim cap on, and then he does later. But anyway. Uh, movie ruined. Yep, movie ruined. Here we get the obligatory uh, villain invites Bond for lunch scene. Naturally. Yeah, so he should have just, as so many. Why don't you just shoot him? (laughs) He should have just killed Bond, and then all of his plans would have come to fruition. Yep. Because they wouldn't even know about the bomb in DC. Oh, I have things to say about that. (laughs) Bond goes wandering around and finds, uh, or Domino finds him, actually. Yeah. And she's wearing an interesting outfit. Yeah, it's another leotard, but, like, the top part might as well not be there at all. Yup. Because, yeah. Uh, yeah. This is about as close as you can get to, like, topless nudity and still get a, I'm guessing, a PG rating. Yeah, because PG-13 didn't exist yet. No. And I don't feel like this is an R movie. No. Because Bond would have, you know, had to drop a couple F-bombs for that, right? Right. Or maybe he's too classy for that, but Largo would have. Right. Like, when he's destroying the mirrors and things, you would have been yeah. yelling, you know. Yeah, this is not a hard R movie. No. But no, Bond uh, kisses Domino, well, one, because he wants to, but two, because he wants to get a rise out of Largo, which he does. Yeah. Big one. Yeah. He does that well, though, where he turns on the music, so, like, one, he knows that's gonna make Largo watch, but also... He knows that when Largo comes in there, he won't hear the fire alarm. Right. Like, that that was some clever work there. Yeah. So, yeah, he gets into Largo's office, watches him up through, watches him through the voyeur wall. Mm-hmm. And, fi- and manages to send out a message to M. Yep. And M, which M gets. And then they, they head to the island, I guess it's an island, Palmyra, which was the name of his house in Thunderball. Mm-hmm. I have to I have to point out that Largo is doing your thing here where he's wearing his sweater oh, tied is. around his neck because he, he's a douchebag and that's what well, you do. Yeah. For some reason, it doesn't bother me as much when it's a dark sweater. Mm. Like, like, it looks less douchey. Like, when it's a light-colored <laughs> sweater, it looks more douchey. I don't know why. All right. So which is more douchey, though? Wearing a sweater around your neck or wearing your top coat without your hand, arms through the sleeves? Oh, that's really douchey. <laughs> I hate that. Like, I have never... No, there has never been a single person in a movie who has worn their top coat without their arms through their sleeves who was not a douche. Nope. It just doesn't happen. Which, I think, word for word is what you said about Largo and Thunderball. <laughs> <laughs> Probably. Yeah. No, I think Thunderball Largo is more of a douche. Yeah. Uh, I, I don't get what this thing is with this jade sculpture that they play with here. If she hadn't broken it, maybe he wouldn't have killed her? I don't know. Maybe. I don't know. I want to know why they leave the skeletons in the prison room. Yeah, where are those skeletons from? Yeah, like, wow. Yep. So, they tie Bond up. Mm-hmm. And Largo says something about, you know, every game has a winner, and, you know, he's inferring, like, clearly it's me. Why not just kill him? Well, yeah, okay. But then, Bond says, well, why don't you just tell me where the bombs are? And Largo tells him where the bomb is. <laughs> like, first one, the one's in Washington, D.C., and it turns out it is there. Yep. Why? 
Who knows? What the heck? Yeah, so we have the scene where Domino is being auctioned off. Yeah, that's a little icky. A little bit. But Bond manages to cut through his restraints with the laser watch, and then Mm -hmm. through the window bars, too, which he got through much more quickly than his handcuffs. Yeah. I do like the touch of Largo playing the tango. Mm Mm-hmm. I think that was a good little sinister bit. Bond escapes on a horse, and they jump off a cliff. Yes, they do. There's no way any of them survive, and I'm including Especially the not the horse that landed back down. Oh, <laughs> that had to hurt. Yeah. I mean, I'm sad to say we never see the horse again. Well, you do see the horse swimming away. True. Uh, I guess you do, yeah. But, yeah, no, that... But I like the, I like the whole running around the fort and the horse. It, it definitely felt like True Lies. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, no, True Lies is totally a Bond film. Uh, yeah, no, it really is. <laughs> It's also one of two James Cameron movies that have never had an HD release. Unfortunately. Okay, that's not quite true. True Lies was released on DVHS in the early 2000s. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot that was a thing. Wow. 720p on a yeah. VHS tape. Woohoo! <laughs> Anyway, that's a here. Here's a, where M offers lunch at his club as a reward. I don't. He, yeah, is that even? Does Bond and, want that? Well, Bond's like as as overwhelmed as that you know that offer is or whatever he says. Uh, he's like essentially says, "I would rather be sleeping with Domino." <laughs> yeah. So we have the battle zone graphics again. Oh yes. All right. So so the pendant. Yeah. Dan Brown wrote this shit. <laughs> it's the only explanation I can give for this. Oh god, now I want to do those movies. <laughs> Actually no, cuz I'll just be ranting about how much how they are how like those movies take the only good parts of the books and remove them. Anyway, well, I yeah, as somebody who's actually read all of his books because I can't not read them for some I've reason. only read the Robert Langdon books. I haven't read the other okay. ones. But yes, I've read all of the Langdon novels. Um, yeah. No, if we if we were to if we actually were to watch the Dan Brown movies for a podcast, I would just spend the entirety of Inferno ranting about how they took the only good part of the book and just destroyed it. You mean the fact that they don't stop it? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which is like the only bold choice he's ever made. Before. I know it was so good. <laughs> like oh my god i can't believe that i just read this in a dan brown novel yeah that was amazing yeah no i i agree anyway we're going off the rails on this one. we really are um <laughs> i guess we should say to those listening uh the thing with the pendant is that the pendant that largo gave domino at the beginning of the movie happens to be an exact replica of the terrain that they're looking for this bomb in which is, again... And it came from the Prophet Muhammad, apparently. Allah's tears. Yeah. The tears of Allah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, way back when, when we did Thunderball. <laughs> actually, no, I can't I can't go, go there yet. Because first, at the beginning of Thunderball, we made fun of the fact that James Bond escapes with a jetpack. This movie totally does a hold my beard to that moment. There is no reason for these stupid <laughs> missile jetpacks. There... 
there was no need for that to exist nope. in this nope. movie. <laughs> no. <laughs> so dumb. Yeah, it's pretty bad. <laughs> and it looks terrible. Oh, the, the effects are so bad. Like, on, honestly, the jetpack in Thunderball might have looked better. It did. Mostly because most of that was an actual jetpack. Yeah. Other than the close-up of Sean Connery. <laughs> yeah, but there was... I get it. The, sh- the ship couldn't get close into shore. But, you know, I bet the ship had small boats. Probably. So they didn't have to use a missile jetpack. Mm-hmm. I was mildly amused when he asked the captain if he had them on board, and the captain asked how he knows. He's like, "Well, I read a, I read a Russian, uh, tra- a Russian translation of the service manual. I found that slightly <laughs> yes, but yeah. yeah, that's just wow, right? Anyway, and then where I was going before when we did Thunderball, you gave a lot of grief to the fact that Largo had an underground secret cave where he hid the bombs. Yeah, in this movie, they're in the freaking Temple of Doom. Yep. <laughs> yes they are why and that's where the tears of Allah are apparently it's, like, it's that it's that little pool yeah tastes sweet like victory or money I think he says right what does he say I don't remember I, I think he said it tastes sweet like money victory would be better yeah you're right he says sweet like money yeah this whole thing is just weird although it reminds me less of Temple of Doom and more of uh Last Crusade. That yeah, that's true. Or even a little bit like uh, that mine thing in A View to a Kill. <laughs> yeah, well, there weren't, you know. No, there weren't like weird ancient ancient sculptures with a clear fault light on the neck of the head, so you can roll it down at them. Yeah, that worked. That was very convenient, wasn't it? Yeah. But at least again, this this pitched battle was easier to follow than the weird like twenty minutes of fighting that we underwater fighting we got in thunderball yes that's true and it is awfully nice of largo to wear a wetsuit that has bright yellow stripes on it mm-hmm. so that you can find him later on also so if that pool goes right out into the water then it should be you know salt water so it shouldn't taste sweet like money no it shouldn't but okay anyway <laughs> we have a brief underwater fight here with Largo and Bond. I do appreciate that they essentially duplicated the end of Thunderball, where yeah, he gets shot by Domino. Yeah, I liked that. And they defuse the bomb, which is good, I guess. And as you said, they don't end up in a inner tube in the ocean like in Thunderball. Nope. The next scene, Bond's chilling in a hot tub mm-hmm. with Domino, and somebody's coming through the gate, and it's very sinister, and they're. Concerned that, and he throws Mister Bean in the pool. He does because M is pleading for him to return to service because he fears for the security of the civil civilized world. And then Bond does a fourth wall wink to the camera. Yep. Which I I'm totally fine with that. I actually I actually really like that ending where he says never again and then winks. I like yep. that. Winks at the camera. Yeah. I it's the second time they've broken the fourth wall, and I don't mind either one of them, frankly. No. Uh, Interestingly, the Bond Wiki article says, contrary to popular belief, this is not the only time <laughs> that Bond has broken the fourth wall, because apparently there are people that have watched this and never seen On Her Majesty's Secret Service. Apparently not. <laughs> this never happened to the other fellow. That's a better movie than this. Y- yes, it is. Right. Oh, Herb Alpert did a trumpet solo in the opening song. I didn't know that. 
because Herb Alpert plays the opening tune to the next week's movie. Oh, okay. Yeah, cool. So yeah, that's Never Say Never Again. So uh, I will admit, I remember hating the ne- next week's movie. My only strong memories of it that I can like name, there's some incredibly absurd plot for the villain. Yep. I mean, obviously because it's a comedy, but I it's it's. I remember that Woody Allen is ridiculous, mm-hmm. um, and I remember that Peter Sellers has lions. Yes, yes, he does. I think you're right. <laughs> and that's it, all it's, I it's been a long time since I've seen this movie too. <laughs> that's um, all I remember. So it'll be interesting to see that. I I also remember John Huston's wig. I don't remember that. Okay, John Huston has a wig, and it's glorious. And that's all I'm going to say. Right, about it's it. Peter Sellers, right? Yeah, he's in it. Yeah, that's yeah. what I thought. David Niven, Peter Sellers. I think it's David Niven that has the lions, now that I think about it. Yeah, yeah, you're right, I think. But yes, uh, we'll uh, we'll watch that next week, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> so, this movie exists. I don't yeah. know why. <laughs> because Kevin McClory was legally allowed to make it, and therefore he must. Well, and the funny thing was, he was going to try to remake it again. Oh, really? Yeah. There was at least one other time that he tried to make this same movie again, because that was the only thing he had the rights to. Right. So, uh, oh, interesting Interesting fact I saw in the Bond wiki. Apparently, Steven Seagal was the fight choreographer for this movie, which is okay. interesting. <laughs> and, well, and he broke Sean Connery's wrist while training. Really? But Connery didn't know his wrist was broken until over a decade later. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Okay, then. Guess it just hurt for a while, and he, you know, yeah. dealt with it. I I mean, I've never broken a bone in my life, but I would imagine that I would notice something was wrong if I, I broke like my wrist. broken wrist, you would really notice that. Yeah. I mean, it's not like a random bone in your foot or something that might hurt a little bit, but yeah. Yeah. Anyway. So, yeah, this movie is, it's a it's a movie. Um, oh, it's I so don't odd. hate it. It's weird. Yeah. And... I'm in no way comparing the quality of these two movies because the other one's way better. Mm-hmm. But it has similar problems to me as The Spy Who Loved Me in that it can't decide if it's going to be a serious or silly movie. Okay. And, I mean, like I said, this movie is nowhere near as good. But it also goes from being... And I think if they just kept a serious tone, it would have been fine. Mm-hmm. It would have been a much, it would have been a better movie. Or at least, you know, in the more Or if they had era, leaned into the parody. Yeah, but, I mean, like, with the more stuff, there was always, like, a wink-wink kind of thing going on, mm-hmm. which is fine, but this is just, it's it's either a serious Sean Connery Bond movie or it's Austin Powers. Yeah. And those, those two don't go together. Nah. It's not very groovy, baby. <laughs> Although Sean Connery is the only one that is even close to, or closest Harry as uh, Austin Powers. <laughs> That's true. Thank you so much for listening to us this week. If you would like to contact us, you can find us on Twitter at Podspiel, or you can send us an email at spielpodcast at gmail.com. You can also find me on Twitter at Listening to Film. And you can find me on Twitter at Tyrannicus. All right. So anything else to say about Never Say Never Again? Uh, No, uh, but next week we will go back in time again and uh, License to Spiel will return with Casino Royale from 1967.